We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden in partnership with 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media. I'm Justin Graver. With me is Justin Mello, and we are thankful that you are still listening to this podcast despite five straight losses now by the Titans. Justin, what's up? I mean, are we sure people? Maybe we're just yelling into the abyss, you and I. There's no one actually here. Yeah, no one cares about this team because they have proven that they are not worth caring about. We are going to bring you a big double episode today. Titans playing on Thursday night football at home against the Cowboys. So we're going to preview that game on this pod. But first, we're going to recap the loss to the Texans and kind of talk about some some stuff that happened since our last pod because we never even really touched on Tannehill's injury and all the offensive line injuries. So we'll, we'll get into all that now. Let's start with the game Titans lose 19-14, pretty weird score, to the Texans. After taking a lead in the second half, they couldn't get it going again on offense. Game ends on a Malik Willis interception. What's up, Justin? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 reached crisis level, right? There, there's no denying. Like, this has got to be one of the worst home losses, of, you know, certainly of the Mike Vrabel era, of the the pre-John, the John Robinson era. He's no longer here, but I think you know what I, I mean when I say that. Um, you've lost four in a row going into this one. This is a one-win Texans team, and we knew it, right? Like, we knew they were at risk of losing this game. Like, you and I talked about it. Uh, but to see them actually do it, obviously, and, and in the fashion they lost, as you said, you take a second half lead. I think the most frustrating thing for me, and I, I could put my hand up and admit this, is when they go up 7 nothing, right? When Derrick Henry breaks off that 50-yard touchdown run or whatever it was, I kind of chuckled to myself, right? I was like, ah, they're not going to lose this game. Like We were foolish, right? Like Derrick Henry's going to dominate the Texans like he always does. And then things kind of start going the other way. Then you take the second half lead. Kind of felt like deja vu for me. Okay, they're not losing this game, right? They're not losing to the Houston, the one win Houston Texans in Nashville. Call this game in Titans history. The you know the fans that braved it out um, really it was a waste of their time. In all honesty, right? Like this this was an XFL level game. I, I tweeted that during the game, and I really did feel that way. The Titans offense is an XFL level offense right now. It's not very good when it's healthy. Um, it's by far the worst unit in the league when it's not healthy. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that, as you said. So uh, it, it just really is such a lowly, lowly loss, right? You talked Mike Vrabel a few weeks ago talking about being at a crossroads. We'll see which way we go. Well, they've they, they've clearly gone in one direction, right? As opposed to the one that was the desired direction. So uh, they, this thing they, is bad. It's ugly. And there's no point sugarcoating it, really. They went the wrong way down that whatever crossroad. They chose the wrong path there. Maybe firing John Robinson was the wrong move. No, just kidding. That had nothing to do with this. Um, I think that... People will be quick to blame the defense in this game because the Titans did have a 14-10 lead, which quickly turned into 14-13, which then became 19-14. But I need to push back on anyone who thinks that pretty strongly because I'm going to tell you about the Texans' drives to start the second half. First drive goes 25 yards, turnover on downs. Great stand by the defense. Next drive was three plays. They gained minus three yards, and then that ended in an interception. The next drive was three plays, four yards, punt, 
The next drive was three plays, zero yards, punt. In all that time, the Titans managed one touchdown to take a 14-10 lead. If they could move the ball just a little bit, and they finally did start moving the ball. They had a five-play, 27-yard drive that ended on a Derrick Henry fumble. Titans just go down and get a field goal at some point, and they can start putting a cushion between themselves and the Texans. They are never able to do that. And eventually, the dam broke for the defense after a pretty great start to the second half. They give up a long drive, but they still get the stand, and they force a field goal. And then the final drive for the Houston Texans was only two minutes and 15 seconds, only five plays. They went 73 yards and scored a touchdown, including some pretty nice downfield throws from Davis Mills. He hit Philip Dorsett for 20 yards. He hit Amari Rogers for 37 yards. And then Brandon Cooks with a really nice catch in the back of the end zone to put the Texans up 1914 for the the last time. And that, I mean... That's why I'm hard. It's struggling to blame the defense there. Yeah, they had one pretty terrible drive where they gave up a lot of downfield plays. But for the most part, they did what they needed to do to put the Titans in position to win. And the offense, as it's been all season, did not hold up their end. Yeah, I'm not going to push back too much on that because I think that's really good context for the conversation and good context for the situation in general. Um, it's easy to be you know get upset in the moment at the defense. That That is really good context, right? Take a step back and add to that. But... Uh, it's one of those when you need it drives, right? And that's when the drive was at the end there. We got a five five plays, seventy three yards. Like that drive was was terrible, right? They just cut through the defense like hot butter, right? It, it, like Davis Mills, credit him, he made some great throws in this game. And and I people called me crazy. I said it, I think in a group chat or something. I said. I wish the Titans had Davis Mills at quarterback for this game. They would have won that game if they did. In all honesty, Davis Mills was the better quarterback playing in that game. It's just a fact. Um, but for me, and he made some great throws, as I said, but the Amari Rodgers one, that's the one I think that bothered me the most, not only as a fan, but also as an analyst. Like, it was a great throw. He dropped it in a bucket. I thought it was a terrific, you know, great accuracy ball placement. But it can't. It doesn't happen if Roger McCurry doesn't get beat on the play, right? Like, Roger McCurry, you can't get beat by a receiver who is a year and a half into his pro career as a third round pick. The team that drafted him already quit on him, right? The green Bay Packers ran this guy out of town. They hate him in green Bay. Can't stand him. Right. But he's got like uh, as many fumbles as catches this year in green Bay. Like he, he got four or five special teams fumbles, one or two on offense, something along those lines. They ran him out of town. They, they drafted him with the pick, by the way, fun little fact. I always remember I'm a nerd. Um, Titans traded that pick to them, right? It was, they had that pick. They traded Titans ended up grabbing Monty Rice, I think, but they, the Packers traded up for him with the Titans for that pick. They still ran him out of town a year and a half into his career. Can't stand him. You don't quit on guys a year and a half that you picked in the nineties. Green Bay did. And what does he do? He beats Roger McCurry for a 35 yard grab. He just got to Houston like two, three weeks ago. Can't happen. Philip Dorsett, another veteran journeyman that hasn't been able to stick anywhere. Right. Indianapolis. I think he was in New England for a little bit. Can't let Philip Dorsett be like people are talking about the supporting cast, and I get that. Houston's isn't much better, right? They're throwing yeah. just like you're throwing a Chris Conley and Nick Westbrook Akine. They're throwing a Philip Dorsett and Amari Rogers and Chris Moore in that game. It's not any better, right? But they go five plays, seventy-five yards at the end of the game to get a touchdown drive. It's terrible. Yeah, I said on the Around the NFL podcast when we were previewing this game that. I thought the Texans would win this game. I said it on this podcast too. And the reason I said was, you know, they played so well against Dallas and then Dak Prescott leads a 90 something yard touchdown drive when they need it at the end. They play so well against Kansas city and then Patrick Mahomes and Jarek McKinnon engineer an overtime touchdown drive. I literally said on ATN, 
the Titans don't have a guy that's going to engineer that kind of game-winning drive when they need it. Malik Willis is not going to lead a 90-plus yard touchdown drive. He's not going to lead a game-winning overtime drive, and he didn't do it. And the most frustrating thing about the offensive output in this game for me is Derrick Henry, for the third straight game, goes over 100 yards, scores a touchdown. He had 23 carries for 126 in this game, 5.5 yards per carry and the touchdown. And the Titans' offense still only scores 14 points. It's, I mean... When Derrick Henry is playing well, and the Titans have scored 14, 14, 22, 10, and 16 going back the last five games, that's the five-game losing streak, they've only gotten over 16 points once, and that was a blowout loss to Jacksonville where those were basically garbage time points at the very end of the game. They have not been able to score or even move the ball whether or not Derrick Henry is running well. And that, to me, is the most concerning thing. And you can blame the offensive line. You can blame the receivers. There are teams all over the league that are more banged up. I mean, maybe not more banged up, but as banged up as the Titans. Look at what the Rams did on Christmas Day. They put up 51 points against a Denver Broncos defense that has been pretty good this year with a quarterback that they grabbed off waivers three weeks ago with most of their offensive line out, most of their receiving weapons out. They still managed to have a 51-point game. The Titans haven't scored over 27 points this whole season. So I don't know. What's the answer? I mean, it's not going to change this year. This season is is basically a lost season. I'll be shocked if the Titans win another game is the answer to fire Todd Downing. And even if you do that, I don't know. Does it does it get better next year with this roster that they have? Well, in short, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, I think, for this episode. But yeah, I, I think the answer is you you, pr- you do have to fire Todd Downing, in my opinion. But it goes beyond that. The roster is bad, right? You need to add five or six new offensive starters. And that sounds grim, but it's true, right? Like You need a minimum of three new starters on the offensive line. Uh, I think that's probably going to be, uh, certainly at left tackle, that's a non-debatable one. Uh, potentially at left guard and, and potentially at center as well. And we'll, we'll talk about Ben Jones a little bit uh, here in a while. But you need three new starters on the offensive line. You need multiple pass catchers. You probably need to add a tight end or two as well, based on what the free agency uh, looks like for you, right? With Jeff Swaim and Austin Hooper, I believe, both being on expiring contracts. So there are, there are going to be uh, moves there. So, uh, But yeah, you, you need to fire Todd Downing and you need to go out and get a bunch of new players, right? So that, that's probably the answer. And that's a lot to fix in one offseason, in, in all honesty. And I, I can't imagine you're going to be able to achieve that, whoever the new general manager is. And, and, and that's why I'm kind of bleak on the outlook going forward, especially for 2023. So let's talk quickly about Malik Willis's development here and whether or not we see his what how we see his future I guess with this Titans team. I'm going to tell you his season stats now and let me tell you they do not sound good. He has now started 3 games, appeared in 7. He is 31 for 61 passing. That's 50.8% for 276 yards. That's 4.5 yards per attempt. He has zero touchdown passes. He's thrown three interceptions. Granted, one was a Hail Mary end of the game situation um, yesterday or Saturday, whenever the game was. And then the area of his game that we expected to translate really well, the thing that we said, even if he has to develop as a passer, he at least adds this dimension, and that's as a runner. 27 carries for only 123 yards and a touchdown. I have not seen him have a great feel for when to take off, for even beating defensive ends around the edge. And until his touchdown run, really, he hadn't had a very productive, like, impressive run in a regular season game. He looked great in the preseason as a runner, but in the regular season, he hasn't really shown me the ability that I thought he had as a runner. And I don't know if it's 
getting comfortable in the offense to not know when to take off or when to go. And the coach is trying to instill in his head, like make a play with your arm before you make it with your legs. And if his head's just totally spinning, but he has gotten slightly better at decision-making. I think he's a little more decisive in the pocket. He's slightly more comfortable in the pocket than he was early in the year, but still this to me does not look like an NFL starter. We know he was super raw. A lot of comparisons to somebody like Josh Allen, Josh Allen as a rookie was not this disastrous, okay? Lamar Jackson and his few starts as a rookie was not this disastrous. Malik Willis, I know he's throwing to total scrubs at wide receiver. I know he had three offensive linemen starters out, including the, the and the fourth in the top swing backup, Dylan Radins, also out. But he hasn't really shown us anything that we can say, let's build on that and go forward with him as a potential starter. I don't know. How do you see it? I agree, man. Like, I think I, I know the supporting cast is what it is. It's terrible. It's not doing him any favors. You're not going to hear me argue or push back on that. But I, I still think it looks too bad to really have much hope, in all honesty. Like, every snap is inexperience. It's like a choose your own adventure, in all honesty. Like, the, the pre-snap, uh, you know, ability to read defenses pre-snap, ability to read post-snap decision-making, accuracy, ball, like just everything to me seems off. You talked about, even as a runner, right? He's got two fumbles this year on, was it RPOs or whatever, where he, or option, I can't remember now, but he mishandled the snap, right? One against the Colts and one a few weeks ago again, where they brought him in. Um, Even in this game, right? Every time they ran the RPO, I didn't have a lot of faith in his process, Right, like it felt like when he was trying to keep it, he was hanging it out there a little bit too long. It felt sloppy. You you felt like there was going to be a, an exchange, a bad exchange coming between him and Henry at some point. Maybe that was just me, but you're nodding your head. It seems like you, you saw the same thing. Um, yeah, it's it, like I look at other some of these other rookie quarterbacks, and like again, I know the situations are different, but I look at what Brock Purdy's doing in San Francisco. Again, night and day difference. Incredible supporting cast, amazing play caller. The Titans don't have either of those things, right? But this is the difference between a quarterback, especially in year one, that's athletics and can't read the game, and one that has no athletics but can read the game. And you look at what Brock Purdy's doing, the way he's getting the ball out of his hand so quickly, cleanly, decisive. Like, everything is there for him. And again, I, I, I know the situation is so much better. But you see those things, there's just a difference there, right? Like I, I said this earlier to someone, for him to develop into a starting NFL quarterback, there's going, there would be an ascension involved here, a development, like almost like one we've never seen before. Like that's how bad it looks right now, in all honesty. Like people, you, you brought up a couple of them, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts is one that you didn't mention. Yeah. Not a, again, I agree, none of these guys look this bad this indecisive this he honestly like i'm trying to kind of hold back here but, but like he it, it doesn't really look like he's played quarterback before like that's how <laughs> that's honestly oh what like every snap is a whirlwind right like there was that one play where you see the dynamic ability where he's escaping pressure it was near the end of the game and this that and he gets himself out of these situations and then he throws like a, a, a two-yard pass forward with 30 seconds left in the game and it's like, that's got to be the most undynamic, dynamic play I've ever seen. And that, again, yeah. that feels like a snap-by-snap basis with him. Once in a while, you see the arm angle thing. He runs for that touchdown. But I agree that there's been no awareness as a runner. He ran into his own offensive lineman in this game. Like, there is no way in hell 
you can go into 2023 with Malik Willis as your starting quarterback. You haven't seen anything to indicate that you can do that. If you do, and there isn't some, again, quantum leap here of development that we've almost never seen before, this is like a two-win football team next year with Malik Willis as a starting quarterback. And maybe that's not the worst thing. Maybe that could be the plan. Let Willis take his lumps for a year, see if he's anything. He's likely not. And if he's not, you're picking really high in the 2024 draft, which is meant to have some pretty good quarterback prospects. We'll see how that, you know, all those things unfold yeah. over time. Wait till, and we get more, and, wait till we get more tape on them. And th- just like last year was supposed to be this year, right? Wait till we get more tape to dissect them. Yeah, you're going to have your Drake Mays and I think Quinn Ewers and there's a couple other guys that are getting some buzz, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about how long we'll see Malik Willis for the rest of this year, because I think it will be probably for the rest of this year. Now, Mike Vrabel said on Monday that they have not added Ryan Tannehill to injured reserve yet because they're holding out hope that he could come back for the week 18 game against Jacksonville, which, as we've discussed on recent shows, that's the only game on the Titans schedule that matters at this point. They had a chance to clinch the division before that week 18 game if they got two wins and Jacksonville lost or Jacksonville got two losses and they got a win. But that didn't happen. Jacksonville beat their Jacksonville won on Thursday night football against the Jets and the Titans lost to the Texans. So now the Titans play the Cowboys on Thursday night in a game that is pretty meaningless for the Titans because it doesn't matter win or lose. Right now they're tied with Jacksonville. If they go and lose to the Cowboys and the Jags win or the Jags lose, they'll either be one game behind Jacksonville or they'll be tied with Jacksonville. If they're one game behind, they can beat them in week 18, win the tiebreaker on division record and go to the playoffs. If they are tied or one game behind and they lose, obviously Jacksonville will win the division and the Jags will go to the playoffs. At this point, I'm ready to see the Jags in the playoffs. I'm tired of watching this Titans team. They're one of the the hardest teams to watch play offense. It's just, even when Derrick Henry's running well, like I said, like, Traylon Burks came back for this game. He made a couple plays. They had a nice end around to him where he made where he looked like a tough runner, but he had to leave briefly with a leg thing, came back, toughed it out. But even his re- return to the offense wasn't like, like you said last week, it wasn't some magic key that fixes everything, especially if you're relying on a rookie. That's never really going to be the case. Um, so yeah, it looks like we'll probably see Malik Willis for two more games. We'll have two more games to evaluate him and maybe Tannehill comes back for week 18. Yeah, I've got I've got more hope than you do on the Tannehill thing, right? Ian Rappaport was claiming that he's going to try to get back for Week 18, underwent some tightrope ankle surgery, quick fix thing that would allow him to play. Mike Vrabel essentially confirmed that report uh, on Monday, right, by, by saying that. Obviously, we haven't placed him on IR because he's doing everything he can to get back. Um, I, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, but <laughs> I think I've got a little bit more optimism if he can get back, like I, I, I think it's possible they can beat the Jags in Week 18 if they get back Ryan Tannehill, and then the defense gets back, uh, you know, guys that are probably going to be back for that game, which is Amani Hooker, Christian Fulton, and David Long, because they miss all three of them so much, right? And you're going to have Dina Kowatri for that game, and and Jeffrey Simmons. The defense will om- almost be at full strength for that game. Is my is my hope. Right, you may not have Zach Cunningham because he's been in and out of the lineup. You're not going to have Elijah Molden, but I think you can get by without those guys. Right, I think missing but Dupree. But yeah. Dupree left the Texans game again. Who knows his status? I mean, his time with the Titans is coming to a close too. One hundred percent, it's coming to a close. So I, I don't have a whole lot to say on Bud Dupree, but more more importantly than him, you are going to hopefully have again David Long, Christian Fulton, Amani Hooker. I think they're missing those three guys so much right now, and they have over these last few weeks. With those guys back, Ryan Tannehill, I think you have a, a little hope that Week 18 can go a bit better than it's gone lately. 
Um, unfortunately, you're not going to have Ben Jones and Nate Davis quickly on them. Ben Jones placed on season-ending IR. It's the second concussion of the year. No surprise that his year is done. Nate Davis also placed on IR. I believe it's an ankle injury for him. His season is done. Dylan Radins tore his ACL, as you mentioned. His season is done. Those are massive, massive blows. And like I said, you're unfortunately, you're not going to get those guys back. Uh, although I will add, I don't know that Corey Levin and Jordan Roos killed this offense on Sunday. I, I really don't think they did. I thought they were okay, maybe slightly below average. I don't remember looking at many plays and saying, oh, Corey Levin's been terrible on this play or Jordan Roos has been terrible on this play. Of course, Ben Jones and Nate Davis are significantly better than them, but I don't think either one of those guys killed the Titans on Sunday. I agree with that, but the status of those offensive linemen, that is ultimately why I don't have the confidence the Titans can win, even if Tannehill comes back. I mean, Tannehill, for everything he does well, one of his struggles is that he can hold the ball too long, and usually he holds it for a long time to make a great throw downfield right as he's getting smacked by a defensive lineman, but... I don't know, behind this offensive line against a Jags pass rush that affected him the last time they played, that could be uh, a recipe for another Titans offensive disaster. And even if this team did make the playoffs, I would fully expect a first-round blowout. I think they get blown out by the Cowboys on Thursday night. I think that this is going to go from bad to worse to even worse over the next few weeks here, and uh, I have really lost all confidence and faith in this team. I still think Mike Vrabel's a great coach. I don't necessarily think... He's in danger even if they do end the season on a seven-game losing streak. But, man, something – they got to make some changes. We talked about Todd Downing. The new ge- new general manager will come in. We'll see if he can make some changes. But it's pretty bleak right now for Titans fans. It's, it's, it's very bleak. So I'll tell you this because it sounds like it's Christmas in the Graver household. You're so filled of cheer and optimism. Uh, why don't we get into beef of the week? Uh, then switch focus to our Cowboys preview and bring on our... We have a terrific guest for the Cowboys preview, so uh, glad someone was willing to come on and talk Titans with us. Yeah, right. All right, let's get to our beef of the week presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden, the best burgers, the best beef, the best worsts, and local brews in Nashville. What have you got for us this week? I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to go back to the Malik Willis well. Um, for me, it's not so much his play. Look, he's, he's playing with the level he's capable of playing post game press conference, got a lot of buzz, a lot of, you know, made traction on social media when he said something along the lines of, I'm, I'm just as happy right now as if we won the game, right? Because he's a positive person. He's blessed. He, you know, woke up today and, and, and all that stuff. And look, I, I do believe in, you know, that's how he supports his own mental health. And I don't necessarily have an issue with that. I, I'm not going to hate on being positive. He wants to be a positive person. This is how he approaches his life every day. It obviously works for him. It's gotten him here, right? But you want to feel that way. I, I think, again, he's entitled to feel that way. I think you got to do a bit of a better job reading the room, right? I thought that answer was stunning. Um, look, it, it's just football. It's just a game at the end of the day. I get all that, but... It, it is a business that they're running, and you just lost at home to a one-win team. You're on a five-game losing streak. You didn't throw for 100 yards again. You, you know, I don't know if you've had a single game, really, where you've thrown for 100 yards. Uh, you lost the division lead in this game. The, the outcome at the stadium was pretty terrible. It was kind of bleak out there, in all honesty. You say that. Oh, I'm just as happy right now as if we had won. How well do you think that goes over with guys like Kevin Byard, Jeffrey Simmons, and Derrick Henry, who are in the post-game press conference, literally in the locker room? They are pissed, right? They are they are 
searching for answers. They are heartbroken. They hate that this is happening right now. And they're doing everything within the, their power to turn it around. Those are the three leaders of your football team right now. Kevin Byard, Derrick Henry, Jeffrey Simmons. Take notes on how they approach their post-game answer. You think it goes over well when they're watching their quarterback get up there and say, I'm just as happy as if we had won? I promise you they're not. Again, I, I'm an advocate for mental health. I support all that. I believe in the power of that. I think he's got a, a positive outlook on life, and I believe it works for him. It's gotten him to this point. He's a lot more successful than either of us, right? He's playing. He's a quarterback in the NFL. I love that for him. I really do. But again, I think you got to take some some a bit more accountability. And uh, you know, when your leaders, the guys that command respect in your locker room, are taking this hard, and they are taking it hard. It's look at Kevin Byard's face every day. I've never seen Kevin Byard like this in my life. It's not time for you to get up there and say you're just as happy as if you had won the game because they aren't. I totally agree with that. I, I think, you know, I get where he's coming from. Like you said, like he probably is just happy to be there, but you like, I mean, you said it all. I don't really need to go into it anymore, but yeah, winning has to be the ultimate goal. And that should make you way happier than losing, especially when the last two Titans drives in this game ended with interceptions thrown by Malik Willis. And I, I know he said all the right things about wanting to look at the film and be better and making mistakes and improving and yada, yada, yada. But I'm with you. You can't say you're happy with the loss. You just can't say that as the leader of a team in the National Football League. Five straight losses just lost the division, right? And that's what you're going to get up there and say. You're just as happy. Yeah. All right, so that is our Beef of the Week presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. It is now time for us to welcome in our guest, RJ Ochoa, the manager and editor-in-chief of Blogging the Boys. That's the SB Nation website for the Cowboys and the host of podcasts, The Ocho and the SB Nation NFL Show. RJ, welcome to our podcast. How are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well, guys. Uh, Merry belated Christmas. Happy early New Year. Uh, happy early Valentine's while we're at it. It's great to be with you. Um, Thursday night football, always fun. Cowboys and Titans. Last time it was primetime as well. Who knew the rivalry that the NFL needed? Yeah, right. Marcus Mariota was the quarterback back then. That was Amari Cooper's first game. I don't know if you guys remember that. And that was um, Jason Witten calling the Cowboys on Monday night football. It was a very, very strange time. Right. Was that Kevin Byard on the star logo? It was. Um, it was. That was, again, They were the Cowboys were in such a bad spot. They were three and four at the time. They had traded for Amari, and both teams were coming off their bye. And so it didn't have, like, the juice that, like, like if A.J. Brown went on the star this past week, like, that would have, you know, like, sent us into World War Three. Oh, yeah. But, like, Kevin Byard was just like, oh, it's cool. You know, okay, whatever. Get, get your jokes off. And then, you know, afterwards, the Titans social account can tweet, how about them Titans? Like, that happens every week, so. <laughs> Exactly what it was. RJ, man, appreciate you joining us. We're uh, looking to get sort of a beat on the pulse of this Cowboys team right now. Obviously, a big, thrilling win over the Eagles the other day. What an incredible game that was. I enjoyed the heck out of it. I think what I want to start with is uh, it's always going to be a big win over the Eagles, right? They're your arch rival. You're never going to not take that and not sort of celebrate it, right? And obviously, with the Eagles record being what it is, it, it feels extra special. But I'm curious, is that the overall thought? of the fan base right now, or is there a part of it that's going, you know, a three point win against Gardner Minshew at quarterback is borderline concerning. It was very strange. It was, um, it was the most awkward Cowboys Eagles game I've ever experienced um, in that both teams were already playoff teams, the Jalen hurts factor, obviously. And then it's a really likely playoff matchup a month from now. Right. So like, it was such a weird thing to go into and to pick 
but you're right. Like at the end of the day, it's like, well, beat the Eagles. Like who cares? Like, you know, and, 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 you know, to make it even more weird or whatever, the Eagles beat Cooper Rush when, when Dallas was without Dak Prescott. So it does kind of feel like tick for tack in that sense. Um, and so I think everybody's like fine, you know, enjoying the energy of it all. Um, we were talking about this actually on Twitter over the week and everybody was rooting for the Texans, um, to set this week up even more favorably for the Cowboys. And so everybody's just kind of, I think riding the, the good vibes. This is like, uh, we were talking how we're all kind of the same age. Like when, when you're off of school and like, you don't know what day it is every day is just like staying up late and watching movies and eating junk food. Um, it's, it's kind of that for the Cowboys. It it does seem like they're destined for a playoff matchup against the Buccaneers. They're 0 seven all time against Tom Brady. And so that's where I think everyone's like top concern is. Um, and I think everyone's really, you know, flexing in the appropriate way. I don't think anyone feels like the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. Uh, but and I don't think anyone feels like the Cowboys contained Gardner Minshew in, in some point of pride. But I think a lot of people feel like they really that Dak Prescott at least really had his way with a really tough Eagles defense. Yeah, exactly. And and Dak Prescott played well. He's been a little up and down this year, but mostly a good quarterback. But from just my watching, you know, seeing the Cowboys on red zone and what I've been able to see from them this year, it feels almost more like a Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott focused offense. Is that correct in your estimation? Yeah, this past week, um, the Eagles win was was the first time that it, it was really just like Dak or bust. You know, they really just kind of had to totally rely on him. Uh, and that speaks, obviously, to, to Philly's great run defense. And and I know Tennessee's not, you know, not shabby in that department either, at least from my assessment. I'm curious if you guys agree. But uh, but yeah, and, and that's been really fun. Um, you know, it's been years that Cowboys fans have been screaming to get Tony Pollard more involved. It's a contract year for him. Um, And so that argument has always been like one is trash, one is great amongst the fan base. But um, Kellen Moore has really handled it really well. And I would say um, this this sounds weird, but like this is the best December version of Zeke that we've seen since his rookie year. And a big reason for that is is Pollard splitting the load and Pollard kind of keeping him fresh. And so um, they weren't able to, you know, rack up a ton of yardage and production on the ground last week. But uh, but that's definitely kind of been the staple for what they've done most of the season. Yeah, RJ, I have I have to say before I get into my next question, I thought it was pretty funny that you guys were rooting for the Texans because you had absolutely nothing to worry about. Like with how injured the Titans are, uh, even, you know, this is going to get even worse now because now that this game officially doesn't matter, they're going to be benching everybody that matters. Uh, it's sort of the vibe we're getting, but I did think it was cute because I'm like, oh, like, with Benjo, with their starting center on IR, starting right guard on IR, half the defense on IR, the Cowboys have nothing to worry about uh, heading into this game. Now they have even less to worry about, I guess. So that does feel pretty good, I imagine. But um, we can't let you get out of here, I think, without asking about Odell Beckham Jr. Right? Let, let, let's be honest. Now we know that you know Jerry Jones seems to be playing this thing coyly, right? Like it felt like they were all in. Then it felt like they were kind of out, right? They made some comments, I think, about him uh, not willing to take a physical and some of the other things. They signed T.Y. Hilton. People are okay, that's it. They're, you know, they're out of the veteran receiver market. And now you kind of get the vibe they might be back in. So curious to, to get a temperature check on that. And if you see them uh, for, or foresee them signing Odell before the playoffs start. Honestly, no. Um, it was really fun. Uh, you know, it was a really fun. It was a really kind of classic cowboy storyline. I'm sure that that was annoying um, to a lot of people. Um, I was also really grateful for it. Obviously, as, as somebody whose responsibility is to create content around this team, like you know, the fact that they went to a you know a Suns Mavericks game was just you know the lowest of low hanging fruit possible. Um, it does feel like um, they were wise about it, and I think that's where they've kind of grown up. Um, is that they didn't just chase the big name. They didn't just chase the big storyline. They they did their due diligence and and they moved on. And I do think, you know, the conspiracy theorists in me 
I mean, this this news really took off the week that Dallas played Minnesota um, and they blasted them. And that was on CBS's number one window. Uh, the next week, Dallas played the Giants on Thanksgiving. So Fox got a turn to talk about it in their number one window. The next week, Dallas was on Sunday Night Football when they blasted the Colts. So NBC's number one. Everybody got a piece of the <laughs> Cowboys Odell uh, story. And so it just kind of felt like it existed only for that. Um, obviously his, his line that came after a Thursday night game about, you know, not seeing a point in playing in the regular season just felt like that didn't line up with where Dallas is at. And if it's, I think they're not in the same place and that's okay. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Dallas visits the situation in the off season, if, if there's anything to kind of go back to Amari, that Dallas has, has taken a misstep on this year, it's trading him away. And that was obviously very obvious, uh, but they really do miss him. And they're going to have to address the receiver position in the off season. Uh, but for now, T.Y. Hilton it's a one-game sample size, but he did convert that third and 30. And so right now, everybody thinks that was the wise decision over Odell Beckham. Um, C.D. Lamb has really come along and really kind of finally blossomed in that top-tier wide receiver one. And if Michael Gallup can improve, he's coming back from that torn ACL. It does kind of feel like the Cowboys are set, at least for the rest of this season. Graver, like what R.J. was explaining there at the beginning, didn't you kind of get those Peyton Manning to Tennessee vibes? You remember those days where Titans fans were like tracking Peyton Manning's plane to see where he was going to land? Oh, yeah. And Genevieve Clowney a little bit too a few years ago. That's right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Eldo lands. I kind of don't expect him to, to play anywhere this season, but who knows? Maybe uh, somebody will make the playoffs and a receiver will get hurt right when the playoffs are starting, and then you'll see it happen. We'll see. Um, I am interested in your thoughts on the importance of this game. If I, As I look at the standings here, the Cowboys are pretty much locked into the five seed uh, at worst for now. They're three games ahead of the Giants with only two games left. And then, you well, the two and a half games. But anyway, three wins ahead of the Giants with two games left. Two games behind the Eagles with two games left. They could conceivably overtake the Eagles for the uh, for the the division lead and even potentially the one seed. They have a better division record than the Eagles. But I have to ask you, what exactly are the Cowboys playing for in this game? Because as Mello and I discussed earlier in, in this episode, the Titans are playing for nothing. Their Week 18 game against Jacksonville will decide their playoff fate. Is it the same deal for the Cowboys? I mean, it's almost there. Um, and that, that's what made last week's game against Philly so interesting. So um, Dallas obviously has the tiebreaker over the Giants. They swept them. Uh, but but New York losing and Dallas winning solidified, to your point, um, the, the five seed being the worst possible scenario for them. Tampa winning on Sunday night um, obviously moved Dallas closer to a playoff matchup against them. So you mentioned it. Dallas would have to win out and Philly would have to lose out for them to win the NFC East. But that doesn't even secure the Cowboys the number one seed. In order for that, they'd have to also get a Vikings loss and a 49ers loss. And so obviously the, the more things you add, the, the less likely it all is. But it is technically possible. And the fact that this game is Thursday night, um, you know, certainly suggests that, you know, like we're sitting, sitting here saying the Cowboys have 1% of something to play for. The Titans have 0% of anything to play for. So it does kind of feel like a preseason game where it's like, let's all just get in here, get out and, and get home. And, and we can all agree that it works out for Dallas to win. And you never know. I mean, you know, all their in, all injuries are terrible. And obviously Philly's dealing with the Jalen Hurts situation. But now the Lane Johnson situation, the Avante Maddox situation, you just never know. I mean, you, you never truly know, obviously, how that's going to go down. Dallas visits Washington in week 18 and the Eagles host the Giants. And, you know, I think we all think the Giants are safe in the NFC. But you just again, what happens if they lose to the Colts? I mean, like it's a it's a weird, crazy league. And so anything could happen. And so I think the Cowboys are, are going to play to win. Um, and if the Eagles clinch the East on Sunday against New Orleans, then Dallas is locked into the five seed entering week 18. So um, but if they lose, um, you know, for what it's worth, they're locked in themselves. They, they can clinch the division for Philly with a loss on Thursday night. Yeah, interesting. Um, 
it's just funny because are they going to play all their starters? Are they like I know that Mike Vrabel is going to tell his team every game is important. We're going to try to win every game. But does that really translate and trickle down into the players' minds, knowing that Week 18 is all that matters? We'll see. The but last time Justin. they were in this situation, they sat Derrick Henry, right? A healthy Derrick Henry against the New Orleans Saints. Like two, remember the remember the Khalif Raymond missed pass pass interference ended the game they 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 played well they lost like 35 34 to the new orleans saints but the fact is they didn't play derrick henry so i mean look mike it's been two years mike Vrabel's had time to change his mind but i think it's very very likely that we don't see derrick henry in this game and that tells you all you need to know we're not going to see derrick henry we won't see dina coatry if that's the case you might not see jeffrey simmons like like unfortunately they've got to fuel the team right so they, and they've got so many injuries you can only sit so many players but i wouldn't be surprised if you don't see like derrick henry dina coatry and jeffrey simmons in this game and that tells you all you need to know about their approach to it yeah, that would be interesting. Um, RJ, we're going to let you go here. We got one last question to wrap things up. Kind of a game flow. It's sort of a, a coming in, um, piggybacking off that last point. But game flow prediction, how do you see this game unfolding? And if you have a final score prediction, how do you think it ends up? You know, I think um, I think we hear a lot about the NFC East threat at all. This is Amazon's last game of the year. I think they're going to try to get every bit of juice out of it that they can. Um, I think... I wouldn't be shocked if Dallas is a little bit slow out the gate. I don't know what the temperature is going to be like, but this is maybe the coldest game they'll play, obviously, um, depending um, on what happens in the playoffs. Um, you know, next week in Washington, in all likelihood won't matter. But uh, I think they could be a little bit slow, but but Dak Prescott's just playing out of his mind right now. I just don't see a way where, where the Cowboys don't have success. Um, and so I think it's, you know, maybe closer than some would say. And I know the line opened, at least what we saw was nine and a half. Maybe they don't cover. It's a lot of points. Um, maybe Dallas wins like 27-20. Uh, maybe it's a kind of a backdoor cover at the end by Tennessee. Uh, but I tell you what, it will be fun. It will be exciting. And we'll all be done with it by Thursday night. I don't know if you guys know the Cowboys are wearing a uniform combination for the first time ever. Um, they're wearing their color rush uniforms, uh, pants and shirt and, and bottoms, uh, pants and tops. Uh, but their throwback helmet that they, they were on Thanksgiving generally normally has it's just just a Navy star. Um, but they're using the regular star, which has a white trim within it on top of the white base helmet. So it's like a full, like kind of icy white, whatever look. They've never worn that uh, that outfit before. And so um, it's happening for the first time this week. RJ, you're way kinder than we are, like 27-20. I think when Graver and I get into our final score here, when we let you go, I think I'm foreseeing like a 30-6, 27-3 type of ball game here. I mean, I would take that um, as long as the, the Saints beat the Eagles as well on Sunday. Like, I'm just here for the anarchy and the chaos. And I hope the Titans win in week 18. I hope that game's on Sunday Night Football because um, I want to see Derrick Henry and Mike Vrabel in the playoffs. I know it's been a tough year, but um, it would be weird if the Titans lost six games in a row and then won one to get into the playoffs. That'd be, that'd, I kind of want to see that. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be better than uh, losing seven straight to close the year, right? <laughs> and not making um, the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you, RJ. Listeners, you can follow RJ on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. We really appreciate your time. Have a good one and enjoy the new year. All right. Thanks again to RJ for his time. Yeah, he was pretty kind to the Titans there, wasn't he? Let's get into our own final score predictions. I like where you were going, but do you want to solidify it and, and go with one guess here? Yeah, like I, I just I see the Titans sitting a ton of players in this game, right? Like David Long is not going to be back for this one. I'd be pretty shocked if they brought back Amani Hooker or Christian Fulton for this game, knowing that they're obviously still dealing with some things and how big that Week 18 game is. I go beyond that, as I said with RJ. Like, 
do you play Derrick Henry? Do you play Jeffrey Simmons? Do you play Dinico Autry? Knowing that the, this game doesn't matter. Like, again, you still have to field a team, right? And they have so many injuries. So, but, but how much can you play Mario Edwards Jr.? How much can you, who was a healthy scratch, by the way, the other day? How much can you play Terrell Basham, right? Like, how much can you play, get a lot out of Rashad? Revenge Eber. game. I'm Revenge sorry? game for Terrell Basham. Yes, former Cowboy. That's right. How much can you play Naquan Jones, right? Like, I think there's a universe out there where you ask these guys to do the heavy lifting on the defensive line, and you don't really risk Simmons or Autry. T.R. Tart can probably get a lot of run in this game with it being a potentially as, as, you know, Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard type of game. So uh, I bet we like this is going to be even sadder, but I bet we don't even see Nicholas Petit-Friere, right? He exited that game with an ankle injury. This is a short week. It might not even be a, a oh, we're saving him. It, he might not be able to go. That means you have yeah. Raven Clark starting at right tackle, right? With Dennis Daly starting at left tackle. I don't even know who your backup tackle is. I guess you, you have to bring up someone from the practice squad, right? That you don't you don't have another tackle on the fifty three man roster, to my knowledge. So. This is like this thing could get real ugly, right? A lot of run for you know Hassan Haskins at running back, a lot of run for Chestnut. yeah Julius Chestnut, like uh, Jack Gibbons, probably a lot of it at linebacker. I mean, he's already a starter with what it looks like with some of these guys out. So shout out to Jack Gibbons. We should have mentioned this in our recap portion, well. but he had a pretty great game actually, <laughs> Doctor Gibby. I thought he played good um, football. Definitely UDFA yeah. out of Minnesota. Good for him. I'm gonna go 35-13. I think the Cowboys will take it easy a little bit enough that the Titans can get to 13 points, even if those are all like in the fourth quarter when everyone is done with the game. <laughs> um, but I don't think that the Titans defense is really going to, if if these guys are, if like you say, some of these guys sit, you know, the, no Autry, no Simmons, no Bud Dupree. I don't really see how this, this Titans defense can stop a really high powered Cowboys offense that is dynamic weapons in the backfield and on the outside, a good quarterback, a, a decent offensive line that's been through its own struggles and injuries this year, but it's playing well right now. And their pass rush. Holy crap. Is Malik Willis going to be under fire in this game? Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence. This is not going to go well for the Titans. Can we transition that into our worst matchup of the week? Let's do it. It's now time for the worst matchup of the week presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. And I have an inkling of where you're Mm. going with this one. Just maybe, right? Just maybe. Uh, As you all know, I've said many times on this show, I've tried to get creative most weeks, and I've tried to avoid the low-hanging fruit that is Dennis Daly. But oh (laughs) my God. Dennis Daly against Micah Parsons. Like, this is rated R. This this is not (laughs) PG-13. Like, this is bad. Like, viewer discretion is advised for Micah Parsons against Dennis Daly. Like, I... I would be doing our listeners a disservice if I tried going in a different direction here because arguably like the best pass rusher in the NFL. If he's not number one, he's two or three right now. I'd probably put Miles Garrett ahead of him. TJ Watt when healthy. Nick has been amazing this Bosa's year. has been unbelievable this year as well for the 49ers. But Micah Parsons has also been unbelievable. You're talking about one of the best pass rushers, top five pass rusher in the league this year against what's probably the worst offensive tackle in the NFL. So this is like... I mean, we and you brought up Demarcus Lawrence. Like, if Demarcus Lawrence gets to take a turn on him, it's going to be pretty ugly as well. But Micah Parsons against Dennis Daly, I'll say it again: it's it is not PG thirteen; it's rated R. 
I'm going to expand this to the entire Titans offensive <laughs> line backups against the Cowboys pass rush because, you know, you've got Jordan Roos and Corey Levin out there. The, the Cowboys have some pretty strong interior rushers as well. I think this is going to be a really ugly game, Titans fans. I wouldn't be surprised if nobody wanted to – like, if you just want to take this one off and see – check the box score after and then maybe look up Malik Willis highlights to see if he makes, you know, a handful of plays just to, like – be like you know in awe of the rookie for for a second and get um, minorly excited again okay. that's how i'd handle this game unless you're a true diehard fan or someone that has to cover this team this is not going to be a fun game to watch if you're a titans fan so just uh yeah like sorry for all the negativity but <laughs> no, i mean game flow probably won't allow it to happen but ideally like and it's not going to be derrick henry in my opinion as i said i could be wrong but i don't think it'll be derrick henry like Hassan Haskins and Julius Chestnut combined for like 40 carries in this game, right? Like you don't even want to try yeah. dropping back and passing the football with Malik Willis again without Ryan Tannehill, and you, you want to ha- you want treat this like a preseason game, as you said. Get out there, stay healthy, turn it around, hand the ball to your backup running backs 40 times. Yeah, and and honestly, like I know we don't want to risk risk injury to Malik either, but. Go full spread RPO read option offense with this thing. You know, let Malik run it 15 to 20 times. See if he can bust a couple with his legs and just see, like, give him the chance to go out and run against actual starting caliber defensive players instead of the guys he was burning in the preseason because he looked a lot better as a runner in the preseason than he has in the regular season. And just make it easy for him. Those RPO throws, he hit a nice one to Nick Westbrook in this game against the Texans, you know. Sprinkle in those easy plays for him and – I don't know. I'm looking for a little bit of development out of the young guys and expecting a blowout loss for this Titans team. Anything else you want to say on this game before we wrap up this mega episode? No, I'll just end by saying again, I'm, I'm curious how Vrabel handles this one because you can see it on the face of Kevin Byard and Jeffrey Simmons and Derrick Henry. Like, And players don't tank. I don't want to get into this whole thing, but players do not tank. Like Kevin Byard said on Monday uh, that the Titans have to win this game. They want to win this game. And call me crazy, I believe he's telling the truth from his own perspective. I don't think Kevin Byard's approaching this game like it doesn't matter. And Kevin Byard's probably hoping to play because that's just that's how athletes are when they're competitive. And Kevin Byard's comp- as competitive as they come. So how does Mike Vrabel approach it? Does he sit those guys? Uh, in all honesty, I, I feel like you have to with the injury luck this team has had. Like you cannot bring back Amani Hooker or Christian Fulton for this game and then lose them for the Week 18 game. Yeah, you can't. You know, the guys that are already dealing with something, I agree. You, you got to sit them. I don't think you sit healthy players unless it's like you know. I, I get the Derrick Henry angle because he's takes he takes a beating and it's a short week. But ultimately, it would be way better for this team's psychology going into Week 18 to come into week 18 off of an upset win as nine and a half point dogs to the Cowboys than it would be to go in on a six game losing streak, needing one more win. So that's, that's the internal battle. I imagine Mike Vrabel's going through and what he has to figure out, right? If you do play all your backups, like we said, and you lose this game 30 to three, what does that do for your psych heading into week 18 in, a, in a, what's a must-win game against Jacksonville? One, by the way, I'll end on this note because this has been a very negative episode. I still want them to win eight, week 18. I want them to beat Jacksonville. There's absolutely no point playing for draft positioning now. I, I know what the ceiling is. It's not very high if they make the playoffs. But I, one thing I'll disagree with you quickly on, uh, you mentioned earlier, blowout first-round uh, exit. I think if this team is borderline healthy, call me crazy – that first round matchup against the Baltimore Ravens, they're not playing good football right now either. I think the Titans, wouldn't it be wild if the Titans end up making the playoffs and winning a playoff game? I think it's within the realm of possibility if they get there and the opponent is Baltimore. And again, this is, I'm 
operating under the notion that you have Ryan Tannehill, you have David Long, you have Christian Fulton, you have Amani Hooker. Look, don't forget, it, it's bleak right now, but that core did win a lot of football games this year, right? Or they won seven of them this year. They had a five-game winning streak. So I, I still want them to win Week 18. I want them to beat Jacksonville, win the division, get to the playoffs. There's no point in tanking and losing now. It's not going to do a whole lot for you. So if at least we can end this episode on some positivity. Uh, but I do think they get absolutely blasted by the Cowboys on Thursday night football. Yep, that's right. So are we going to be back then on Friday to recap this Cowboys game? We are. So for our listeners, this is still a two-episode week. We will have the recap on Friday. Again, this is a super-sized episode. Of course, it makes sense with them playing on Thursday. We recap the Houston Texans for you. We preview the Dallas Cowboys. We'll be back at the end of the week with a recap of the Dallas Cowboys game. And then next week, the following uh, the following week, will be one episode, I guess, uh, because we'll have the preview of the Jaguars game coming. And that's obviously going to be a big one. We'll have another terrific guest on for that one. That's right. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back on Friday to recap the Cowboys and then get into our last preview of the regular season and maybe our last preview of the season. But I do ultimately agree with you. As much fun as it is to watch this team, and by that I mean it's not fun at all, <laughs> I'm still rooting for them to make the playoffs and maybe cause some chaos, if for no other reason than to just knock somebody out that thinks they have an easy win. All right, that'll do it here for us at the Music City Audible. Again, thanks for listening during these tough times as a fan. You can follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. Thanks to the Pharmacy, Burger Parlor, and Beer Garden. And make sure you check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. Zach Lyons has a great article up on the site now looking at Malik Willis's development from the eye test, from an analytical perspective, and, uh, and one other category that is slipping my mind right now. So go check that out. But you got to be a Broadway insider to read it. Yeah, become a Broadway insider today. It's $6.99 a month. You can use the code INSIDER to get your first month for just 99 cents or use the code ANNUAL uh, for a total of $49.99 for your first year. Lots of great uh, benefits to becoming a Broadway Insider. We've got the Mike Herndon Show uh, behind the paywall. That's a weekly video show going out every week with your favorite Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon. That's obviously a big perk to becoming a Broadway Insider. You get early access to some of the podcasts, uh, a lot of written content behind that paywall. Whether that written content comes from me, it comes from Zach at F1. Pod. Uh, it's coming from Easton. There's a lot of content coming your way if you're a Broadway insider. Become an insider today. You won't regret it. And remember to check out all the other podcasts and content Broadway Sports Media has to offer. Okay, that's it for this one. We'll be back later. Until then, you guys stay safe out there. And as hard as it may be, tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media production.